you're in for a very special treat. Pastor Shake is going to be bringing us the word. We show our appreciation for Shake Anderson. The checks are in the mail. <laughs> you, did, you did it right. Yeah. And let me ask you this. Would you keep praying? Even now, would you keep praying? We believe God for something this morning, for something great. So I would ask that you would just keep praying. I'm going to pray. Lord, I, I just thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people. And to hopefully give them a glimpse of you so that they don't see me in the name of Jesus and that they hear your word and that someone is built up, someone is edified so that they can go out and go into their days, find strength and find you and find love and to be an example of that same love in the name of Jesus. Amen. When, uh, when Pastor Allen, um, we were hanging out. At one point, we, we, we tend to hang out a lot, and I, I have to say I find that really special for me. Um, it's not just my pastor. It's not just my boss. But he's come to be a really, really, really good friend. Pretty much everybody here will know what I'm talking about when I when I talk about Pastor Allen, I've never met a more balanced person in my life. I've never met a more balanced man in my life. And I'm so thankful for God sending us here at this season in our lives. So thank you to Pastor Allen and Pastor Yvette for making this home for us. Thank you all for being our family. Uh, if I haven't told you, I'm going to say it now. I love you. I love you greatly. I, I love you with all my heart. I love you. And so with that in mind, first of all, I want to, I want to say thanks to some special people. Everybody in here, hold your hand up. Everybody hold your hand up and say, I'm special so I don't feel excluded if Shake doesn't say my name this morning. <laughs> Amen. You know how that is. You can you can be addressing people and sometimes I'm not very good. I, I can remember faces almost always. But in the life that I've lived, I've met a lot of people. And I don't always do real good with names. So sometimes I jack them up. I'll call um, for example, John, I called John Howe one time. And then I turned around and called Hal John one time. So it's not that I don't know who you are. It's just that sometimes I'm, my brain is not working as fast as my eyes will see what my brain is supposed to say that my eyes see. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there, there's a, some people I want to thank. First and foremost, um, do you, you guys are familiar with Walker, Texas Ranger. Did you ever watch that? And then are you familiar with a, a show, a current show called In Plain Sight? You know that show? Well, a really good friend of mine, he's actually become a brother. Um, when, when Karen and I were at JSMI, 
she's at JSMN, I was at Heritage of Faith. We became really good friends. And he's here today. And I had asked him to come to sing. And so he's going to sing at some point in service. But I want to get Dennis O'Neill to stand up. You may recognize him from In Plain Sight and from Walker, Texas Ranger. And he said, thank you for coming. And then, um, how many know about, everybody knows my son, Bubby, right? Everybody knows Bubby. Y'all know Bubby, right? And, and, and a lot of you know the story that Bubby is, is really a miracle. He really is a miracle. As a matter of fact, his name loosely translated means miracle of prophecy. And sometimes when you have a miracle, it takes a miracle to recognize a miracle. And I have some really good friends of mine who I invited to come. I didn't think, I didn't know if they were coming or not. But I asked them if they would come and be with us this morning, and they came. And I, was, I looked up and I saw Tony and Donna in the back. Tony, y'all stand up. And I named my son Samuel Miraca, which again means miracle of prophecy. They named their daughter Faith because they had been believing for a daughter for a long time. And can I tell a little bit of it? They lost several times. I won't say how many. I'll leave that to you. But I was there. I was there. And I saw God work in your life and bring that beautiful baby into the world. And they named their daughter Faith because they were persistent and they held on. And they believed in God. Now, that may seem light to you, but I'm telling you, there's a lot in a name. Sammy was named before he was born. I didn't wait. I didn't wait to find out if it was a boy or nothing. I told her what his name was going to be before we even got pregnant. Before we got pregnant, because I feel like I feel like I'm still carrying the baby. Okay, that's enough of that. And then there are, are several other people that I asked to be here specifically because I want to be a part of their lives. I asked James to be here. I asked Zach to be here because I want to be a part of their lives. God has people in our lives. He calls people to our lives. Did you get that? He calls people to our lives. And there's a deposit that we as believers are called to make into those lives. And I'm not going to miss my call. So I want to speak to you on something this morning. I call it the mission of relationship. The mission of relationship. And you can write it down if you want to. You don't have to. Um, hopefully the, there's, this will be recorded and you can get the CD. Because I think you'll want to you'll get a little deeper into this. I'm not, I'm not a deep guy, as most of you know. I'm just above, I'm just, I'm simple, just above a rock. So if you can understand a rock, you should have no problem understanding me. Amen? He said amen to that. Wow. <laughs> I guess I am a rock. I am a rock. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Genesis 4.9 says, Genesis 4.9 says, then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. 
am I my brother's keeper? Obviously, you know that <laughs> you know that Abel was lying. You know that it was a cover-up. But we didn't get into what we need to get into is the essence of what he said right there. He says, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? And actually, this is a question for all of us. Am I my brother's keeper? But if you go to Matthew 28, 19, you know that there's the Great Commission. In 28, 19, it says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's the mission, right? That's the mission, right? That's what we're all called to do. So, to me, in my little understanding, that answered the question, Am I my brother's keeper? For me, that answered the question. Why? Because I'm called as a believer, not to myself, not to my family, not to just my friends, but everybody that I have influence in, everybody that I meet, I'm called to their lives. I'm called to lead people to Christ at all costs, to lead people to Christ. Does that make sense? Now, here's where, it, I mean, it, I'm, I, you know, we'll get a little bit deeper, but I'm telling you now, it's not going to get super deep. So, you know, you don't, don't be saying, you know, he didn't take us to the expository of the exo-Jesus and the iso-Jesus. And I don't even know what most of those words mean. I know Jesus. <laughs> One of my best friends. In life, one of my best friends in life, I hadn't seen him until about a little, little more than a month ago. I hadn't seen him for quite some years. And one of my best friends in life happens to be one of the most brilliant musicians I have ever known, period, have ever known. And I'll give you an example. I took him to the Apollo Theater. I was touring with the Impressions, and I needed a pianist. We had another keyboard player, but we needed a pianist. So I hired him. Took him to the Apollo Theater. And at the Apollo, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a really famous institution in New York for music. Not just black music, but for music, period. But at the Apollo Theater, you do three shows a night. Sometimes four, sometimes six. Depends on when the day starts. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor Barry, right? Well, this particular night, uh, the place is sold out. We've sold out all the shows. And one of the singers, the main featured singer in the group, gets sick and can't do the last set. Well, so we figure out some things and a little bit of a curve here. And da, 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 da. I sing a little bit. Another guy carries his part. And we get through that very last set. But there's still another. The promoter comes on because we're probably about actually 15 minutes short of our set when we're trying to get off. And the promoter says, if you don't do something, you won't get paid. Now, how many knows that's inspiration to come up with something? So I said to John, I said to John, can you cover, can you play something? John said, what do you want? And I said, well, we were already in our closing song. So I said, well, just take this and just take it out. Do whatever you want to. Just take this song and do it. He played, and I promise you. I'd never seen this before, and I played the Apollo a bunch of times. But I'd never seen it happen to anybody. He played, and I mean, it's, John's anointed. First of all, he's anointed, and he didn't know he was anointed at the time. He didn't, didn't recognize what was happening in his life. So he didn't recognize that as an anointing. He just thought he was talented. 
So he played. And the best way I can say it is God liked it. And the, and the Holy Spirit loved it. And that place was ruined. They gave him a five-minute standing ovation. Now, why is that important? He's one of my best friends, and he was a chronic, uh, I don't know the best way to say this, but he was one of the worst crackheads I ever met in my life. The same best friend, same brilliant musician, we're playing in Indianapolis at the Vogue Theater. We're opening, Al Green is on the, we're opening for Al Green. And this is, place is packed, probably 3,700 people. He steals the van that I rented, sells it to a crack dealer. They total the van. The, the insurance company sues me. This is my same best friend. And I wanted to kill him. I want, I'm telling you, I wanted to, I wanted to give, I, but I'd already said, I, I had to repent that day, because I said, Lord, if I see him, it's going to be smoke in the city. But God knows who's supposed to be in your life, and why they're supposed to be in your life, and what you're supposed to deposit into their lives. No matter what they take you through, he knows who's supposed to be in your life. So I didn't see John for quite a while. God fixed that thing so that I didn't see it. But when I did see him, some months later, I was mad. And I was hurt. I got, mind you, I didn't just lose a van. I'm up there with my group. You know, I got 13 people I'm responsible for, and we're stranded. So I have to rent another vehicle. But I have to turn in a report to the, the, the people that I'm renting the vehicle from that the vehicle has been stolen. You know why they sued me? Because it's theft by deception. I gave them the keys. That was my best friend at that time in my life. I had a recording studio, and John would help himself to microphones and everything, anything that wasn't nailed down that he could take because he was sick. He would take anything that he, anything he could get his hands on, he would take. Now, why is that significant? Because just like I had to tell my daughter, who was 13 years old, when she turned 13, she told me, I hate you. I wish you were dead. I had to tell her, I love you anyway. And I had to keep saying that for years and years and years. And when she wanted to do whatever she wanted to do, I had to say, you know what? Go on and enjoy your life. Have a good time. Do your thing. But sooner or later, you're going to serve the Lord. I had to tell her that. I had to keep saying that. Whether I believed it or not, because I'm going to tell you now, faith is not always what you see. That make sense? She's being bad. She's cutting up. He stole the van. And I see the promise on them, but that's all I see. I, 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 everything else is real to me. These are bad people in my life. So keep on living. Keep on doing what you're doing. Sooner or later, you're going to serve the Lord. Well, about a month and a half ago, I went to Indianapolis, and I saw John. John's been married for 10 years now. He has three kids. He's the... 
pastor of worship at one of the largest churches in Indianapolis. He's preaching. He's preaching. He's preaching. He's preaching. He's preaching. He's preaching. And he's got a ministry to crackheads just like him. If somebody doesn't love you where you are, you won't get where you're going. I'd, I'd love to say I'm wonderful. I'd love to say I'm this great person who sees the future in people and, and raises it. No, I wanted to kill him. But that's God. See, God sees us that way. Am I bro- my brother's keeper? Of course you are. We're in a situation now in this country, we're looking at the deficit. You know, the Republicans are this side of it. The Democrats are this side of it. God knows what the Tea Party people are. You know, there's all these other things. And nobody, nobody is saying, let's come together and reason in Christ and work this thing out. Nobody's saying that. Everybody's saying, I know how to fix it. And you haven't consulted God about anything. If you consulted God, you would know that the Bible says to pray for your leaders. You'd be seeking him to give them wisdom. So what's the mission? Go ye therefore make disciples of all nations. That's everybody. And it comes at a price. Isaiah 53 and 3 says he was despised and rejected by men. Talking about Jesus. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, grief, and as one from whom men would hide their faces, he was despised and he was not esteemed. Let's look at another example. Genesis 37 and 18. We're talking about the story of Joseph right here. And his brothers have come. The Bible says they saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said one to another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. Obviously, Joseph had a whole lot of learning to do during that discourse of his life. And that's not where I want to go with this, but his brothers, his brothers, his brothers, that's who who took him out, his brothers, his family. My daughter, my John. Is this making any sense? Are you getting it? Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Because later on you find out when they encounter him in Genesis 50, 20, 50 and 20, he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for my good to bring it about that many People should be kept alive as they are today. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, at this point, Joseph is a pretty bad boy. He's got some power. He's got some weight. He can say, you know what, these are the cats that sold me down the river. So, an eye for an eye, I'm going to take them out. But he didn't do that. He saw the wisdom of God. And he, he also... 
acknowledge the call on his life. As for you, you meant it for good. But this same bad thing had to happen to me to make me who I am. Sounds like my life, and I'm sure it's a lot of your lives. And let's go to another example, and I'm, I'm going to be wrapping this up. In Luke 22 and 50, this is as Jesus has been uh, sold out again. And in this instance, Jesus has been sold out by Judas, and the soldiers had come to get him. In Luke 22, it says, one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. We know who that was, Simon Peter. Drew the sword, cut the, the guy's ear off. And this is one of Jesus' examples of love. In my example, is one a great example. Because this guy is here to take him out. He has somebody stand up for him. And instead of him saying, yeah, I'm going to go with this because this guy is standing up for me. Now, remember, Jesus could have called a legion of angels. And he could have did his whole deal at any point anyway. But what does he do? He says to Simon Peter, put away your sword. And then he shows to this man who's going to take him to his death, grace. He healed his ear. Healed his ear. Man, I would love to say that I've been hit and I didn't hit back. I'd love to say that I've been cursed at and I didn't curse back. I'd love to say that I've had people spit on me and I didn't spit back, but I can't say that. So I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm working on that. I'm, I'm believing God that I'm going to get there. I'm believing God that I'm going to get there. Somebody hits you, slaps you in the face, and you turn the cheek, and they hit that other cheek. In my mind, I'm out of cheeks. That's just where I am, you know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a work in progress, you know what I'm saying. I, I, I can still box, and I know it. So I'm like, you know, hey, you know, you've got to win with that first one, you know, but it's going to be a little dancing on this next move because, you know. There's things that we're going to have to do that we won't like doing. In this mission of relationship, Paul says, I became all things to all people. But why did he do that? Because he knew what the end result was going to be. He knew what it was going to be. Jesus endures the cross because he knows what the end result is going to be. Now, everybody in here, everybody in here, it's going to be harsh, but I'm be honest with you. If you ever said, I don't know what the end result is going to be, you'd be lying. You've been to the back of the book. Bottom line is no matter what happens, we win. That's a fact. No matter what goes down, no matter how nasty it gets, no matter how rough it gets, we win. Did you know that? Did you did you know that? 
Karen and I, when we first visited Granbury, we went to this place, um, uh, Babes. We went to this place called Babes. The lady, the, the, um, when we, the, the then pastor and his wife took us to dinner, brought us here. We'd only been in Texas. I think, as a matter of fact, we'd only been here maybe a week or two. They said, let's go to Babes. So we went to Babes. We were there. And Karen, um, is pregnant. So, she goes in, they, they finally get us and they seat us. And she goes into the thing, and I'm at the, um, back when they, cause I had, I don't know what I was doing, but I'm at the back or whatever. And, but I'm standing in a line, and the, you know, at Babes, they got like, um, at this time, it was, it was kinda cool. The weather was kinda cool. And they had these flame things. You know what I'm talking about? The, um, was, what's it called? Torpedo kinda looking deal? Yeah, heaters. They had those. <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. Torpedo eaters. Good God. Can I, I made one mistake, man. Come on. Anyway, they got these things, right? They're doing, and I'm sitting. And there's this guy. He's standing there. And now he's been there a while. When we came, he was there. Um, you know, so he's been there a while. But, you know, sometimes in, in, the, in a restaurant, they can't seat parties of certain size. You have to wait till whatever's available. So I guess he got mad because we got in before he did. And, I, and I'll just be honest with you. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm walking thing, and, and I hear him say, nigger. You know, um talked about Cain killing Abel. <laughs> he said that, and, and I'm telling you, man, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff just rolls up in me. And it wasn't righteous. But I'm going to go on from that because the girl in the front heard him. The girl that worked at the front heard him. And I was ready to fight. I said a whole lot of stuff to him. So I wasn't right anymore. If I had just shut up, I'd have been all right. But I wasn't right because I said something. And the girl in front, she heard everything. She had called the manager. And the manager actually called the police. And by the time I, I, I said, I told him, I said, I'm going to my table. I said, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, I want you to say that again. I went to my table, did my little thing, and I came back. And I ain't going to lie to you, I'm ready. Before I could get there, the police were coming in the thing. The manager said, sir, we know what happened. And, it, and he tried, the guy tried to leave or whatever. Police went after him. Why did I say that? Why am I sharing that with you? Because I believe there was a better way for me to handle that. I can't say that I did it then, so I'd be lying. But I know there was a better way for me to handle that. And I'm growing. 
I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to process that. Because the reality is, you know, that when we were little, they would say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words hurt far more than a stick or a stone. Words get deep into your spirit. Words bring conviction. Words bring condemnation. Words bring pain that physical pain will never, ever match. But you know what makes it worse? Anger mixed with those words. Now, where I could have beat that thing was to not allow myself to get angry. Because the last thing I'm going to share with you this morning is nobody makes you angry but you. You decide to get angry. Anger is a choice. It's a decision. I don't care what you say to me. I have no right to get angry. Now, I can get upset and and have righteous indignation and speak to that thing. But to act in anger is just as sinful. Does that make sense? So. Before I spoke, I said, I love you. (laughs) I hope you still love me. And uh, I'm going to share this poem with you. I I didn't write it. I didn't write it. But it speaks to the mission of relationship. Because relationship is all about sacrifice. It says, one day they came and took the communists. And I said nothing, for I was not a communist. One day they came and took the Jews, and I said nothing. Obviously, I'm not a Jew. Not long after that, they came and took the Klansmen. And I said nothing because I hated them. One day they took the Republicans, and I said take them because they hate me. One day they came for me, and there was no one to say anything. Am I my brother's keeper? You live in a really wonderful city, Granbury. And that encounter, that was one of my first encounters in this city. And I had a picture for a while that that's what Granbury was all about. But having worked here, when God sent my wife and I here to lead worship that first Sunday, I called Paul. Paul, I'm going to be a so-and-so. He said, oh, I know that church. Not the pastor's wonderful. Gave you a good report. Pastor Barry obviously recommended us here. But what's in my mind? What's in my mind is what happened at Babes. I don't want to play on your sympathy. I don't want to think think that I want to play on your sympathy. I just want you to understand something. We came here on faith. We didn't come here based on what we saw. Because if I base my life on what I see, I wouldn't be living today. I am my brother's keeper. Pastor Allen is my keeper. 
Elder Greg is my keeper. Pastor Barry is my keeper. I'm Zach's keeper. I'm Fred's keeper. I'm Jeff's keeper. I'm Harvey's keeper. But you know what? I'm Pastor Allen's keeper. And I'm Pastor Yvette's keeper. Amen. I'm Kennedy's keeper. And Jill is my keeper. And I'm Jordan's keeper. Everybody in here that's saved, bought with a price, bought with a price, and bought with a price, and bought with a price, blood, same blood, same Jesus. We have the same mission. What's the mission? Relationship. We're called to make relationships Dennis to come and I couldn't have asked for a better person to sing or a better song than the song he's going to sing with you, for you this morning and I know that it's a little bit later than it normally would be but I would ask that you would please stick around till the very end amen come on Dennis Jake, I think what we should all do is, uh, for lunch, go to Babes. <laughs> you know, as you all know, uh, I'm an actor, and uh, I was telling Pastor, I play either cops or bad guys. And I want to tell you, I know how to play a mafia guy like nobody, I'm telling you. You know what I'm saying? Let's go back there. I'll make that guy an offer he can't refuse. I'm going to stand with you and say, hey, this is my twin brother. Who are you talking to? But, you know, uh, that, that isn't Granberry. And it isn't America. And uh, God put you in the right place because the right place is a wonderful world. And, you know, a lot of times we say, well, you know, he's of the world or this is of the world. But you know what? God made the world. So we may inhabit the world and enjoy it. So all I have to say. So uh, it's a wonderful world. I see trees of green, red roses too. I watch them bloom for me and for you. And I say to myself, 
What a wonderful world I see skies of blue Clouds of white Bright sunny days And warm sacred nights And I say to myself What a wonderful world Another rainbow How so pretty in the sky It's there on the faces Of the people passing by I see friends shaking hands Saying Babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll know much more than I'll ever know. And I say to myself, What a wonderful world! Yeah, I say to myself. Wonderful world All so pretty in the sky It's there on the faces Of the people passing by I see friends shaking hands Saying Babies cry, I watch them grow, they'll know much more than I ever know, and I say to myself, what a wonderful world, yeah, I say to myself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would just, uh, I would just request something. Uh, my ministry is called Actors for Christ. And uh, I got to share my testimony, and I'm not going to preach, believe me, I'm leaving. Uh, I got to share my testimony back in 1983 with Robin Williams. I was his stunt double on a couple of films. And uh, after the first film, I got to share my testimony with him. He asked me to work on his next film with him. I'm getting the chills. And, uh, and all during that time, 
I was sharing my, my testimony with people, which is very funny. I was sharing my testimony with people on the set. And I want to tell you something. It's what you preached is just perfect because it is about relationships and cultivating those relationships. And what I would do <clears throat> on the movie sets and the TV sets, I was in most of the soap operas in New, in New York and uh, worked on about 60 films, tons of TV commercials. And God gave me such opportunity. And he has blessed me with, with certain gifts and talents. And when people would talk to me, uh, the way I would break them down is uh, I would share about my testimony and I would say to them, now, can you imagine if Rocky, you know, if, if we prayed for Rocky? And, you know, I'm talking about stone cold heathens, man. But but here's, here's God's sense of humor. And, and I would say to them, just imagine that. Imagine if we prayed for Sylvester Stallone and he makes Rocky number 27. Hey, yo, Adrian, I just, like, went to church, you know, like, and, like, Jesus came into my heart. Yo, God, I'm saved! And, and back then, back then, you know, Popeye was still around. And I, I said, can you imagine if we prayed for Popeye? The writers of Popeye, they made a whole new series of Popeye. Ooh, skip it up. Bless me, spinach. Father, bless me, spinach. In Jesus' name, ooh, amen. I mean, can you imagine that? And, you know, there, there was one series of All in the Family. Remember All in the Family with Archie Bunker? Where <clears throat> Edith goes to the Catholic Church. And, and Archie's, can you imagine if they changed it around that Edith went to a charismatic Pentecostal church? And, and Archie says, geez, Edith, you dingbat, what church are you going to now? I'm just praising the Lord, Archie. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Chuck Norris, Brother O'Neill, Chuck Norris heard your testimony and gave his life to the Lord, right? Yeah, so he was the man who led Chuck Norris to the Lord. That's awesome. Well, keep on being faithful in the field where the Lord has you. I don't know if you saw the last Rambo film, but there was a spiritual message in that film. So, anyway, not that I've seen them all. Well, Pastor Shake, no wonder something suddenly makes sense. You know, he's, he's been working, uh, working for us for a little over a year and a half. And every week or two, him and I have lunch together, just him and I. And he always lets me choose. And so we try to hit all my favorite restaurants. And, and I like babes. But one day he said, how come you've never chosen babes? Now I have a perspective. We'll go to babes. Anyway. Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and lift up his counsel upon you and give you his peace. And may you love those HDL people in your life, those that are hard to love, may you see it as a mission from God in Jesus' name. May you build boundaries where you have to, but no more walls of separation in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.